It is good to give thanks unto the Lord. Across the uncertain waves of space and time, our hearts echo these words. For the days are with us again, when at the gathering of harvest, we solemnly express our dependence upon Almighty God. Franklin Roosevelt. Welcome to Corks of Creation. Happy Thanksgiving. Let's do it. Everybody. Welcome to Quirks of Creation. I'm Elise, and with me is Jess, and we are so excited to be here and talking about Thanksgiving and all we are grateful for, and so on and so forth. But we also appreciate everybody here on a Sunday, which <laughs> is not normal for us. Um, anybody who missed it, we had some technical difficulties on Friday. Like you do. It. Like you do. Like things happen. That's what happens when you go live sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes the demons get in the tech. There's not a lot you can do except roll with the punches. Roll with it. Go with it. So we played some Jackbox games and had fun. And now we're here. Instead of Bible study, we're going to do what we wanted to do on Friday and make the most of it. Yeah, That's right. We're yeah. grateful just to be here with you. That's right. How was your weekend, Jess? Oh, my gosh. It was so relaxing. I'm so grateful for time off. Yay! Oh, my goodness. As I'm sure every teacher is right about now. <laughs> definitely not feeling burnout. None at all. No, definitely not. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, and, um, oh, I forgot what I was going to say already. Yeah, How that's was a good start. weekend? <laughs> oh, mine was good. I had a girls' weekend with my mom and sisters, and... Uh, it was long because, you know, who sleeps when you have a girl's weekend? Nobody. You eat tons of junk food and do a whole bunch of nothing and play board games. So it was it was good stuff. That I sounds so lovely. Yeah. And I got to play board games with our peeps. So it was like a win-win for me. I couldn't talk, but, you know. Right. <laughs> That's okay. Ah, but we are going to talk about Thanksgiving and the history of Thanksgiving what what really happened? Should we should we celebrate Thanksgiving? I don't Ooh. know. We'll find out. Hmm. Hmm. Before we jump into that, any traditions that you guys like do have to do for Thanksgiving? Mm. Anything you look forward to? Oh, I feel like there's so many just like little things that accumulate over the years. We always watch the Thanksgiving Day Parade, even yeah. though my dad and my brothers hate it. My mom and I <laughs> love it. You got to awesome. see Santa Claus at the end. Absolutely. Have to. Have to. <laughs> uh, my brothers and my husband play football in the yard. They've been doing that since my husband and I were dating, which now feels like a century ago. <laughs> um, it's so funny to watch them running around as like grown men instead of like teens. <laughs> right, right. Uh, at least they can still run around. That's debatable. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. It went from tackle to touch football. and Yeah, a kind of. Well, now there's just like alcohol involved. So it's kind ah, of yes. more interesting, perhaps. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> uh, 
most uh, most injuries might happen from cooking. Yours right. happen from football. Whatever. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so it's like if, if you're a lady, your injuries happen in the kitchen. The number yeah. of times I've cut myself peeling potatoes are probably numerous. Right. I've gotten better at it, though. Nice. Nice. <laughs> I always seem to burn myself some way, somehow. Yeah. Uh, I think the only, like, big tradition we have, we, like, in my family, we always have to watch Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Yes, we do, too. Oh, I love that gosh. movie. I do too. Uh, what's his name? Steve Martin. When he's yeah. going <laughs> to ret- return the car that he never got. Oh that's- yeah, <laughs> that is the best worst part of that whole movie, and that's- I love it. Oh my gosh! I was like, I might, I might know how. I might know how that goes too well. Like I might have that Just too memorized. But it's hilarious. It's so, so funny. <laughs> yeah, the front desk lady. I was, I'm like, I'm always going to answer the phone like that on Thanksgiving now. Like, oh gosh, you're a stitch. Like, I already <laughs> sound like that. So <laughs> it's perfect. It works. Ah, I love it. And then, of course, here we have to watch the Lions on Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah. I guess you're like legally obligated to. It's like you kind of have to, or at least have them on in the background or something. I don't right. Know. Fall asleep to them after you eat. Right. I don't know. <laughs> ah, but yeah, so just to continue, a little bit of fun with Thanksgiving before we jump into the <laughs> meat and potatoes of this. Um, we start with dessert first here because uh, we're adults. <laughs> we're adults and we can. That's one thing I learned. So I have a huge, my dad was the youngest of nine. So it's a huge family when that. Oh, wow. Everybody gets together. Yeah. Million aunts and uncles and cousins and what you learn early on is that you do it like buffet style and you don't go for the entrees you go straight to the dessert table mm-hmm. and you go back and get like the real food but if you don't go to the dessert table first what are you doing i mean it'll be gone by the time you finally get around to it so you got to get the gittens while they're good everything else is like you know cool whatever got it right yeah. One of the things, I know this is like totally off topic, but we're talking about dessert. And so this came to my mind. My mom puts melted cheddar cheese on her apple pie. I have heard that cheese, apple pie with cheese is a thing. Or like apple I and cheese I don't understand pie. it. I've never understood it. You tried it? Is it? Have you tried no. it? Yeah. No. Like, no. <laughs> not even gonna. <laughs> this is not the, vanilla no. ice cream. Right. Right. That's, she, it's a thing. I just reason. don't understand. <laughs> Maybe That's people hilarious. in the chat understand and yeah. I'm just broken. If anybody has tried that, thinks it's delicious, let us know. Cause explain, I explain the science to me, please. It, yeah. The only thing I can think of is like, there are cheeses that pair good with apples. Like when you do a charcuterie board or something. That's different though. But it's not melted cheddar cheese. <laughs> On a very oh, sweet I, apple. That texture's just, just no. Yeah, it just, in my mind, it just doesn't fit. Yeah. But maybe we're missing something. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Something to try this Thanksgiving. Weird out. Everybody else can weird out their families. That's right. There you go. <laughs> if you want to freak out your crazy aunt. Yeah. I heard it on a podcast, and you can sound really sophisticated about right. 
the thing to do. <laughs> there you go. Let us know how it goes. I don't think I'll try. try. <laughs> I can't say I blame you. Yeah. Uh, um, well, more fun facts, the randomness about Thanksgiving. So uh, in 1953... Swanson overestimated how many turkeys would be consumed on Thanksgiving, and they had to get creative with what they would do. They had 260 tons of turkey left over. Like, that's how much they overestimated. Oh, my gosh. That's a lot of turkey. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So being the entrepreneurs that they are, they had an assembly line pack 5,000 aluminum trays with a Thanksgiving-inspired meal. So I had turkey, cornbread dressing, which I don't know what cornbread dressing is. I suspect that's just stuffing, but with a cornbread base. Yeah. I've heard people call stuffing dressing. Again, a thing I you don't know what? understand. Yes. Yeah. You're right. Like, nope. No. But any, but that's what they, that's what I said. And then gravy, peas, and sweet potatoes. Um. And the trays sold for 98 cents, but in their first year of production, so the 5,000 went well. Right. Their first year of production, they sold 10 million of them, like 10 million of these dinners. And it was the first ever TV dinner. Oh. Yeah. That's That's so fascinating. That's how TV dinners came about, which I never, never knew that. Thanks, Thanksgiving. Right. (laughs) <laughs> caveat ties says cornbread stuffing sucks that's interesting i personally have never had cornbread stuffing because we just use a normal bread base right um but i am curious to taste it now right cornbread stuffing uh, all these things to try right. that i'm not gonna make <laughs> prefers cornbread stuffing okay oh, all righty maybe we're missing something there too yeah. who knows uh, um, did you know that female turkeys don't gobble? <clears throat> no. I didn't know that either. <laughs> I feel so lied to. Yeah. Wait, how did, so if the males gobble, is this a joke? No, fem- female, so apparently female turkeys like kind of purr and they cluck, whatever, but they, they don't gobble. Purr? That's what it, like that's what I've read. Cat? Yeah, I personally hate turkeys, so I stay away from them. <laughs> Your family only is my family only runs farm. a turkey farm. Right. But I never, I never. Okay, I should say this: the males and females are together because they're not alive long enough to really fair <laughs> procreate. So. I don't pay attention to who's gobbling and who's not. I'm just like, oh, there they are. Okay. Okay. So Elise is clearly going to have to do some on the ground reporting. Yes. I think if we get enough rumble rants, we can convince her to oh. go out with a camera <laughs> and figure out who gobbles and who doesn't. Well, I will warn you all, if that is a thing and I am out there, it's going to be, <laughs> uh, it might be entertaining for everybody else, but it'll be me freaking out like, uh, he gobbled him out of here. <laughs> Hicktown, honey, you're right. Turkeys are so stupid. So dumb. But they taste good. (laughs) They taste really good. That's all I can say. I know where they come from. I can appreciate my food, but I doesn't mean I like them. Yeah, that's fair. It's like I love chicken, but boy, chickens themselves are 
actually demons. I'm convinced I, of it. It's in the eyes. It's yes. in the eyes. It you is the eyes. See it in their beady little eyes. Just like you can see into the eyes of a turkey and know that they have no soul and they're just absolutely stupid. Yeah. You can see into the eyes of a chicken and see that they are demonically possessed. I agree. 100%. It's true. I don't care what anybody says. Uh, I've had friends. So I've had, I grew up on a chicken farm and now my family does turkeys, but I've had friends who are like, oh, they're so sweet. Like you can pick they're them not. up and they're little pets. And I was like, no, nope, Mm-mm. no, not, not going to do it. Yeah, it's just not a thing. Um, and I'll I'll get off that tangent because I could talk about how stupid <laughs> know, right? birds are. For Can you tell how much we hate birds yeah. here? It's a mutual hate about birds. Yeah. Um, there are other countries outside of the U.S. that celebrate a Thanksgiving-like holiday. Oh. Um, which I didn't realize that really either. Kind of like heard it, but didn't. Right. Realize it. So Canada has their own version in mid-October. Um, General Vincent Massey made the second Monday in October official by proclaiming it, quote, a day of general thanksgiving to Almighty God for the bountiful harvest with which Canada has been blessed. So, Aww. yeah, I love that. that's a good one. Uh, Liberia celebrates on the first Thursday of November to commemorate when freed American slaves founded the country in 1822. And the day usually consists of a church service followed by a family meal and is to be a day of rest and relaxation. Uh, Germany, Austria, and Switzerland hold a festival either late September, early October. Similar to our Thanksgiving, they give thanks for a plentiful harvest. And there's church services, parades, and music. Japan's Labor Thanksgiving Day is more similar to our Labor Day. And they celebrate in November as well. The festivals are meant to bring awareness to human and environmental issues. And then the Netherlands celebrates a version of Thanksgiving. This I found fascinating. So the pilgrims made a pit stop in the city of Leiden in the Netherlands. And although their stay was brief, the Dutch continued to celebrate the perseverance of the American settlers. Oh, so wow. it's not, yeah. So it's not harvest and it's not really about their country. It's like the perseverance of these people. And That's so cool. Yeah. I think what the statistic was like 40% of the adults on the Mayflower came from the Netherlands. So go figure. That's then, crazy. I had never heard that before. I had no idea the pilgrims <clears throat> even stopped in the Netherlands. Yeah. I guess they originally stopped there as like their first stop to kind of try and find, um, I don't know if this is true, but with the Mayflower, but a lot of right. pilgrims went there to find religious freedom Oh, okay. So this isn't necessarily like the Pilgrim's Voyage. It was, yeah, it was part of it. Like some of the people who were there, 40% of them were on the Mayflower. But it was all kind of, that was like their first attempt to get away from England. Yeah. Yeah, Go figure. That's really fascinating. Yeah. But the Dutch were too um, liberal for their tastes. So they had to leave. I don't know. LOL. <laughs> yeah, LOL. And then last one that I m- will mention is Granada, and they started celebrating Thanksgiving 30 years ago. So after the death of the communist leader Maurice Bishop in 1983, the United States military restored peace to the country, and the locals showed their appreciation with an American-styled Thanksgiving meal. And the gesture of that has blossomed into their new annual Thanksgiving holiday that they celebrate. So, Aww, I love yeah. that. Yeah. Go, 
go figure. So some random, if you want to impress all the people around your table for Thanksgiving, right? there's a start for you. So I, I feel like this is something my dad would appreciate a lot because he loves trivia and he just loves doing trivia facts while we're sitting around the Thanksgiving table. So I love that. Yay. I, this girl's weekend with my sisters, we took like trivia cards to dinner. Yes. Yes. We trivia games while we were having dinner. It's like this is the way. Yeah. Who else does it? I don't know, but I Me. I love it. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> so your dad and you yep. just join us anytime. <laughs> uh, a few more quick oh, I did have I did have a few more fun ones. So the Macy's Day Parade. Um, it'll be a hundred years old next year. That so is twenty twenty four. I didn't yeah. I mean I knew it'd been going on for a while, but I didn't realize we were close to I didn't 100 years. Um, the first Macy's Day Parade was in 20, 1924, and they had animals from the Central Park Zoo. Oh, wow. So before they did the big balloons, it was um, monkeys, bears, camels, and elephants. And a few years later is when they started doing the balloons. And Snoopy has made the most appearances of any balloon. He's been in the parade eight times. Wow. So, yeah. Only eight times? I know. Only eight, yeah. It doesn't uh, for feel years. right to me. I know, but and it's the most repetitive. Like nothing else has been repeated that many times. That that also just doesn't feel right to me. I know. It was. I feel like Snoopy is just like a standard. It has been in every Macy's Day Parade <laughs> right. that yeah. I remember, and I'm like thirty, so <laughs> they're liars. I don't know if it was just like maybe in a row. Giant. Maybe. I don't know. Hmm. They switched oh, it up for a bit and did Charlie. The biggest. Mm, the biggest balloon that yeah. has been in it the most. Or like you were saying, they switched it up and did Charlie Brown. Yeah, for a while. Yeah. And then, I don't know. But Snoopy, of all, of all things, like that's what's yeah. lasted? I don't know. Uh, to me, it makes sense because Charlie Brown Thanksgiving special. Yeah. Time. Oh, that's true. Yeah. I haven't watched that this year yet. <gasps> Gotta watch it on Thanksgiving. Gotta watch it. Right after planes, trains, and automobiles. That's right. Got things to do. (laughs) That's right. Um, This one's for Jess. So, about 46 million turkeys are cooked each year, and tryptophan does not make you tired. It does not. Thank you. You're welcome. Turkeys, eating a turkey for Thanksgiving does not make you tired. I know that Jess has been saying this for a very long time. I have. It's the fact that you're consuming an insane amount of food all of which contain an insane amount of carbohydrates causing you to have an insulin spike it's the insulin not the tryptophan not the tryptophan so the carb loading that you're doing on thanksgiving is actually making you want to take a nap right just a heads up guys and then last but not least do you know how many calories are consumed on average during thanksgiving all of them every single calorie Zero because it's a holiday and you should just gobble <laughs> up all that food and enjoy it. Nobody's counting calories on Thanksgiving. Based. I love it. <laughs> yeah. There is an actual number, but I don't care. Nobody cares. <laughs> Nobody cares. <laughs> so there you go. There's your trivia. Yeah. All right. I love Yay. that. Thanks. So getting into the real stuff. Let's start with a story most of us know. And this comes from history.com. They just they put it so succinctly that I'm just going to read this short little excerpt that they have. Um, 
Thanksgiving at Plymouth in September 1620, a small ship called the Mayflower left Plymouth. Carrying 102 passengers, an assortment of religious separatists seeking a new home where they could freely practice their faith and their individuals and other individuals lured by the promise of prosperity and land ownership in the new world. After a treacherous and uncomfortable crossing that lasted 66 days, they dropped anchor near the tip of Cape Cod, far north of their intended destination at the mouth of the Hudson River. One month later, the Mayflower crossed Massachusetts Bay, where the Pilgrims, as they are now commonly known, began the work of establishing a village at Plymouth. Throughout the first brutal winter, most of the colonists remained on board the ship where they suffered from exposure, scurvy, and outbreaks of contagious disease. Only half of the Mayflower's original passengers and crew lived to see their first New England spring. Wow. Ugh, I know. Uh, In March, the remaining settlers moved ashore where they received an astonishing visit from a member of the Abenaki tribe who greeted them in English. Several days later, he returned with another Native American, Squanto, a member of the Pawtuxet tribe who had been kidnapped by an English sea captain and sold into slavery before escaping to London and returning to his homeland on an exploratory expedition. Squanto taught the pilgrims, weakened by malnutrition and illness, how to cultivate corn, extract sap from maple trees, catch fish in the rivers, and avoid poisonous plants. He also helped the settlers forge an alliance with the Wampanoag, a local tribe which endured for more than 50 years um, and remains one of the sole examples of harmony between European colonists and Native Americans. So in November 1621, after the Pilgrims' first corn harvest proved successful, Governor William Bradford organized a celebratory feast and invited a group of the fledgling colony's Native American allies, including the Wampanoag chief Massasoit. Uh, Let's see. While no record exists of the first Thanksgiving's exact menu, much of what we know, eh, blah, blah, blah. But they sat, had a feast. It was great. Beautiful. That's, I mean, nothing there that's, that you haven't really heard before, right? That's basically what the Charlie Brown Thanksgiving special teaches us. Yeah. Except from Charlie Brown's position and, you know, all their shenanigans. Exactly. I feel like that's the distillation of what we, what I learned in grade school. I don't know how it's changed with all of the woke stuff in schools. I don't teach elementary school. True. Um, But yeah. That, that's the story I grew up with. Right. And me too. And I think, yeah, I don't know what it is today. That's a good point. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> What's being taught today? I don't know. Probably the 1619 Project. Right. Uh, so, let's, what is there more to talk about? Nothing. We're done. Right. <laughs> that's it. The episode's over. Bye, guys. Right. Um, but yeah, so about... 90 Wampanoags joined 52 English, English people, or the pilgrims, to mark a successful harvest. Um, and what gets me, and I didn't realize till I really started digging into this, is that we only have two sources for this story. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, it seemed like there would be so much more because this seems like such a big, momentous occasion. It does. And it's such a repeated legend. You feel yeah. like there has to be more sources for it. But now yeah. I'm fascinated. Like, yeah. Only, only two. two. Only two. Interesting. And, 
yeah, I'll get into that a little bit more. But the two sources that we have, the first is Edward Winslow. So he was a pilgrim and he wrote his take on it about a year after the event in a pamphlet titled Mort's Retaliation. And this book described in detail what happened from the landing right up to thanks or through Thanksgiving. Um, and this is, this is all he wrote. So quote, our corn did prove well and God be praised. We had a good increase of Indian corn and our barley indifferent good, but our peas not worth gathering for we feared they were too late sown. They came up very well and blossomed, but the sun parched them in the blossom. Our harvest being gotten in, our governor sent four men on fowling so that we might after a special manner rejoice together. After we had gathered the fruits of our labors, they four in one day killed as much fowl as with a little help beside. Served the company almost a week, at which time amongst other recreations we exercised our arms many of the indians coming amongst us and amongst the rest their greatest king massasoit with some 90 men whom for three days we entertained and feasted and they went out and killed five deer which they brought to the plantation and bestowed on our governor and upon the captain and others and although it be not always so plentiful as it was this time with us yet by the goodness of god we are so far from want that we often wish you partakers of our plenty Oh, I love that. I love that too. So they get together and they celebrate. They're giving thanks for this wonderful harvest because, I mean, they, the springtime, those who s- survived were starving right. and sick. And you know, what are we doing Really here? in a bad way. I <laughs> yes. feel like this is one of the things that is lost on the modern American is we just don't have an appreciation for how, how hard it is to survive like they did back then. I mean, we have the luxury of being able to go to the local Walmart and pick yeah. out the cheapest chicken breast or whatever. Yeah, exactly. But back then, you had to <clears throat> patiently grow your own food, hope that there was enough rain, hope that there wasn't as much pestilence, hope that there was game to be caught yeah. and that you could catch it and yeah. that it was not disease-ridden. There was just so many variables that you were hinging all of your hopes on. And we just... All of those variables have been negated, or at least a lot of them. And we just don't appreciate where our food comes from anymore because it's so readily available. So absolutely. And yeah, to put yourself in that mindset of like, thankfully, thank God, this food all came in. We were able to get the fowl that the the Indians brought deer. We were, you know, we had so much plenty when we just a few months ago had absolutely nothing. 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 Um, Winslow, who wrote this, he was quite a character, actually. He So he did more than just write this book. He was one of the first to meet with and greet Massasoit, who was the oh, Wampanoag wow. chief. And um, he was instrumental in organizing the journey to America. And he's one of the men who signed the Mayflower Compact on the boat. Like, this is how we're going to do things. Mayflower Compact. And he signed it. So I love that. Yeah. So he was he was kind of a big deal in his time. And then so, so that basically is a first hand account then. Mm-hmm. Yes, his is for sure. Okay. And the next one, go ahead. I was just gonna say I really appreciate that because I know yeah. a lot of historical texts we talk about, like yes. we've talked about Josephus a lot. That's not a first hand account. No. Right. And so lots of the texts we rely upon are not first hand accounts. 
And so to have something that is a firsthand account, I think is really special. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's nice. I mean, granted, we only have two, but both of these are firsthand accounts. So it's not somebody who is like, oh, yeah, I heard this. Like, right. now I was there. I witnessed it. I was part of it. Absolutely. That's a pretty big deal. It is a big deal. And it's, um, granted, he doesn't give us a lot and the next one doesn't either. But it's still more accurate in that, like you said, they were there. <laughs> right. Um, the next one is William Bradford. So he was the second governor of Plymouth. Um, and he was the governor for 30 years. So the first governor that was elected died, unfortunately, um, during that first winter. Um, and he wrote a history of the pilgrims and the colony. And what he had written about Thanksgiving was this quote, they began now to gather in the small harvest they had and to fit up their houses and dwellings against winter being all well recovered in health and strength and had all good things in plenty. For as some were thus employed in affairs abroad, others were exercised in fishing about cod and bass and other fish, fish of which they took good store of which every family had their portion. All the summer there was no want and now began to come in store a fowl as winter approached of which this place did abound when they came first but afterward decreased by degrees. And besides waterfowl, there was great store of wild turkeys, of which they took many, besides venison, etc. Besides, they had about a pack of meal a week to a person, or now since harvest, Indian corn to that portion, proportion, which made many afterward write so largely of their plenty here to their friends in England, which were not feigned but true reports, end quote. So he's more of a menu. <laughs> right. More of a menu here. But still the gist of it. So they did have turkey. People are like, did they really? Yes. That's it's really cool, actually, everywhere. to know that they did, in fact, have turkey. And so yeah. this is truly the longstanding tradition. Yeah. Absolutely. So they had turkey. They had venison. No baked goods because, <laughs> you know. Right. It's a little embellishment we have, which I'm super grateful for. <laughs> right. Of all the things to be grateful for, apple pie, pumpkin pie. So glad we have that now. <laughs> All the desserts. Yay. Yes, definitely. Um, then so with this, because this is literally all we have as a at least a firsthand account and really any account of that Thanksgiving, a lot of historians think that uh, it really wasn't that important. Mm. And I'm not a historian, but personally, I think there was something there in this story like there was some piece of it that was so important that it was at least remembered i mean this is only two accounts and granted there's not a lot of writing period but something in this something about this story whether it was passed down orally or just from this from these accounts this story has remained and it remained until 1863 when um this Thanksgiving was officially named Thanksgiving. Um, so I guess you can make the argument both ways. Like, yeah, maybe it wasn't that big of a deal to them at the time because they didn't write much about it. But I think it has become something of note. It's, la we'll it's a story that has endured for 400 years. Yeah. You can't say that about many stories. Uh and so, yeah, I, I do think it's a pretty big deal. We yeah. celebrate it nationally still. 
I guess there's a question on whether or not we should do that, but we we currently do. But we currently do. Exactly. Right. So, I don't know. I think it's a big deal for our culture, at least. <laughs> I agree. And, yeah, again, like, there's something there that everybody's held on to, and, and we'll get right. into that. But, so the idea of Thanksgiving, or like, a day of Thanksgiving, had been used in America to celebrate different occasions off and on since then. Um, but this, like what we now call Thanksgiving, was declared a national holiday in 1789, but it wasn't until 1863 with Lincoln. So Washington originally was like, mm. yeah, a day of Thanksgiving. But it was always something that was kind of used as like a something cool happened. It's a day of Thanksgiving. Right. Um, and harvest and celebrating the harvest also going back to the pilgrims and the Native Americans, like the that wasn't anything new for either either party. That's true. Celebrating harvest was part of pagan rituals too. I mean, yeah. you'd give sacrifice to your gods and thank them for a bountiful harvest or give sacrifice to your gods and be like, please give us a bountiful harvest so we can yes. survive. Yes. So uh, just like celebrating the turn of the season, it was standard across all cultures. It's just in this case, it was very much christianified is that the correct word yeah like like, instead of giving thanks and then like to the land or sacrificing something to appease the gods so that you would have a good harvest again next year you know no it was more just gratitude yeah yeah so um and again, this was always kind of continued with leaders from that point. So something good would happen in the country in their eyes, and it, it's a day of Thanksgiving. Rejoice and celebrate, have a church service, yada, yada. And Washington kind of first established that, but it wasn't a regular national holiday until 1863 with Lincoln. Gotcha. So there was this woman named Mary Joseph Josepha Hale, excuse me, Um I don't know if that name rings a bell. It didn't for me. Mm-mm. But she wrote Mary Had a Little Lamb. Oh. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's one of those poems. Like, I know somebody wrote it, but yes. it feels like nobody wrote it. Exactly. And it just kind of appeared out of the ether yeah. because it's so ingrained in yes. culture. <laughs> exactly. It's like, oh, yeah, I guess that would have an author. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So that was her. And she was also known as the mother of Thanksgiving. Because for 36 years, she petitioned for America to have a national regular day of Thanksgiving. Wow. Yeah. You go, girl. I know. I was like, man, that is a dead. She was dedicated to this cause. 36 years. I just have like a small tangent about that. Oh, please. (laughs) Because this happens in science a lot. The wokies are always looking for a female scientist who did a thing to replace the male scientist who did the actual thing. Yeah. But here we have a woman who really did something big and important and yeah. they probably don't want to talk about her. I mean, I've never heard her name in my whole life. So me neither. Nope. That That's a big thing. Like uh, yeah. Alex says here in the chat, that's a major dedication. Yeah. Right. No kidding. No, that joke. shows a lot of perseverance. It does. That's so, something we can learn from. Yeah, absolutely. And so she was like donned the mother of Thanksgiving, which again, I even that title. That's I don't, big. Yeah. Yeah. So kudos to you, Mary, with your rhymes and your 
Thanksgivingness, but your little lambs, your little lambs, exactly. Uh, but I think Lincoln uh, really used this. He used it to his advantage, but at the same time, I think his heart was in the right place. So this was official, like I said, in 1863, and that was at the height of the Civil War. Mm. So Lincoln used this as a way to unite, to try to unite America during the Civil War. And um, I'm just going to read to you a little bit of the speech that he had given to dedicate yeah. Thanksgiving to the 4th November the fourth Thursday in November? No, every fourth November. No, no, it, it's remember, remember the fifth of November. Oh, that's right. <laughs> that's another one we'll have to right. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So, Lincoln quote: "It has seemed to me fit and proper that they should be solemnly, reverently, and gratefully acknowledged as with one heart and one voice, voice by the whole American people." I do therefore invite my fellow citizens in every part of the United States and also those who are at sea and those who are sojourning in foreign lands to set apart and observe the last Thursday of November next day, next as a day of Thanksgiving. Um, wow. Reading's hard today. I don't know, guys. Reading is hard. Right. Words are hard. Words are hard. All of it. All of it. So... To set apart and observe the last Thursday of November, next as a day of thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent Father who dwelleth in the heavens. And I recommend to them that, while offering up the ascriptions justly due to Him for such singular deliverances and blessings, they do also, with humble penitence for our national perseverance and disobedience, commend to His tender care all those who have become widows, orphans, mourners, or sufferers in the lamentable civil strife in which we are unavoidably engaged, and fervently implore the interposition of the Almighty Hand to heal the wounds of the nation and to restore it as soon as may be consistent with the divine purposes, to the full enjoyment of peace, harmony, tranquility, and union. I love that. Yeah, I honestly love his speeches. Like Lincoln's speeches were always like he just nailed it. Uh, so I don't do it justice reading it, but you still get the idea. You of, need the ten gallon hat and the beard, and then you'll be there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I left my my hat, you know, in the other room, so there's nothing to do without it. But Darn. I know. Uh, I don't know if it would fit in the. <laughs> It's ten gallons, right? It'll fit over your bun. It'll it'll be it'll fit over this. There just you might go. Not fit in the camera. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, but just a great speech, and so just to just to like, I mean, everybody. I shouldn't say that everybody, but with the Civil War, it was so awful. And again, just to like remind people, because you can think of it and know that it was bad. But I mean, our, we're at war with ourselves, this country. Yeah. Everybody is losing. Everybody. I mean, there's nobody who is not affected by this. And, you know, you see that again pretty much in World War One and Two. But we were such a young nation and we were so um, vulnerable at this time as well. So it's not only that we're fighting amongst ourselves and how awful and all the bloodshed that was there in that, but it was also the fact that we were young and vulnerable and we were so fortunate that a bigger country didn't come in and just take us out. Oh yeah. Right then and there because they could have. And I think he, he points to that in this speech too. Like, thank God we, that wasn't taken advantage of and we need to reunite because 
we are one people and so on and so forth. But I love that he's saying that although the nation is suffering, and this is a terrible time in our history, people are mourning. We have we still have so much to be grateful for. Yeah. And although we have sinned, God is still showing his mercy. And let's pray that he heals this nation and brings it back to you know, peace and harmony and et cetera. And I love the sentiment behind all of this. So not only is he trying to navigate the country through this terrible time, but he's like, let's also remember the goodness of all the things that we have yeah, and celebrate together in this Thanksgiving. So um, that's kind of how it officially became Thanksgiving. A I love a holiday. that. That yeah. reminds me of that verse we talked about uh, last week when we were talking about mindfulness, 1 Thessalonians 5, yes. 16, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. Yes. When he says all circumstances, he means all all circumstances. circumstances. And I think Lincoln was trying really hard to capture that feeling because you're right, this war that pitted brother against brother, it's like, how do you come back from that? How do you give people a hope to hold on to so they can find forgiveness in their hearts to move past it? I I can't imagine walking such a delicate tightrope, but establishing Thanksgiving, I think, was a great thing that he did. I mean, he did so many great things, but just as a way to give people a beacon of light in such a dark time was very wise. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think nobody wins in this war. I mean, you do, there is a winner and, and, but at what we know the outcome, but yes, but how do you also win the war and still keep the country together after, after that? Somehow we did it. (laughs) Somehow we did it. Somehow. (laughs) Somehow we did it. So to, that's how we kind of, that's how we get to Thanksgiving. I think that's kind of the general, I don't want to say theme, that's not the right word, but the essence of Thanksgiving is this gratitude. Like yeah, you sit down with family at the end of the year and you all remember the year that you've had, what you do have to be grateful for. It's a moment to like take a breath in between eating tons and tons of food and yes <laughs> and just again give god praise and remember what what there is to be grateful for so i will stop repeating myself now and go <laughs> no she won't no i will say gratitude like 500 more times but still <laughs> it's hard it's literally called thanksgiving i don't know what yeah. you want from us I, I can't find any more synonyms you guys i'm sorry <laughs> Here we are. Here we are. (laughs) Uh, But now, with all that established, let's get kind of to the other side of things. Right. So not everyone celebrates Thanksgiving. And given the tumultuous history between settlers and Native Americans, the pilgrims and the Native Americans, I think we should ask the question, should we celebrate Thanksgiving? What's... It's a question. Before you all shut... Yeah. Before you pause, shut this off whatever. Hear me out. Let's discuss it. So let's, there is more nuance, of course, to the story in 1621 that we have all grown up with. Right. We don't have a ton of 
references, but we do of about that day, but we do know more about all that encompassed before and after. Right. So on. So of course they get there and there are at least two, three Native Americans who speak English because this wasn't the first landing. Right. Which we all know, but like Jamestown was founded 1607. So Plymouth, again, just keep in mind, it wasn't the first contact. That is important to put in context because I think oftentimes we conflate the landing at Plymouth as when, you know, the Europeans came over and established. Yeah. Yeah. But it wasn't because you're right. Jamestown was established seven years prior, at least. Yeah, exactly. So it's, they weren't new, like the, the pilgrims weren't new to the Native Americans, but they hadn't settled in this area. Right. So, anywho, um, the early, earlier visitors who had come had caused the population of the natives to be decimated by plague, which I don't know that that's talked about very often. Yeah, somebody mentioned earlier in the chat about smallpox. Yeah. And I was going to say, smallpox blankets. That's where we get later. the smallpox blankets. Are. Right. We're later. And I want to say that was more the Spanish and mm. their conquests further south. Not that they're not also Europeans, but... No, no, definitely. No, they are. But right. just, yeah, it was further south and later. <laughs> the pro- conquistadors are a whole other thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. That, Yes. There's a lot to this. So I also do want to say this is a very, not narrow, but it is a very focused part here in that, like, there's a lot of history over the United States with all of the settlers and Native Americans. And there's so much. So to keep this under 10 hours, we're we're going to just focus on, like, what all revolves around the first Thanksgiving. Fair. Fair enough. So, um, but this, but the the plague that we are talking about, it was called the Great Dying, and it happened between 16, 1616 and sixteen nineteen. So, um, because Native Americans were so, um, well, first of all, they were dispersed, and there was not a ton of contact, uh, even amongst themselves before settlers came in. I mean, there was. But it wasn't like England where everybody was living in these tight, cramped quarters and around each other all the time, if that makes sense. Right. There was a lot more space and a lot more fresh air and all of the things that are very good. Uh, so they, But they didn't have a lot of exposure. That's the word I wanted. Two diseases. Right. So when um, explorers and such started coming over, the Native Americans were exposed to smallpox, bubonic plague, chick- plague, wow, or flags, yeah. <laughs> Chickenpox, cholera, common cold, influenza, diphtheria, malaria, measles, scarlet fever. There were also STDs and typhoid, typhus, tuberculosis, yellow fever, and pertussis, just to name, just to name a few. <laughs> pertussis just always makes me think of the Amoeba Sisters. I know that's so like random and off topic, but they talk know. about it. <laughs> if you need some biology homework help, go look up the Amoeba Sisters. Good to know. 
Um, I'll have to do that. One of the things that makes me think of is just like when you bring an invasive species from another yeah. country over. I'm not right. saying that the English are an invasive species, not to compare humans to animals, but just like naturally when you bring yes. something from one ecosystem and introduce it into a different ecosystem, the natives of that ecosystem are not adapted to yes. the curiosities of the invading species i know that sounds really awful when i say it like that but no but i get nobody get what you're saying because you're right that's exactly what it was they were so different and what their immune systems weren't built up to handle the types of bacteria that the europeans brought with them exactly i mean you think about like well oh my gosh you're a teacher so it's like you have all these kids bringing all these germs to your classroom all the time. <laughs> Literally at the beginning of the school year, everybody gets sick right. because you've been home, you've been out doing whatever, and then you bring all of your crazy bacteria to school and share it with all your friends. Yeah. And then everybody proceeds to get sick. Yeah. That's just friendship and public school. Well, schooling just in general. Yes. Gathering. Being in school. <laughs> yes. So, and that's, Kind of what we had here. There was an estimated 55 million or approximately 90% of the indigenous population was wiped out due to this. And again, keep in mind, like this was not like smallpox blankets where it was germ warfare. It was unintentional. Germ theory wasn't even a thing at this point in history. Yeah. Nope. So it was... um, I mean, ignorance only goes so far as an excuse, but in this one, it really is like How could nobody you know? understood it. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, just keep all that in mind. Like, right. the population there was absolutely decimated. Um, colonists would come, and this is always eerie to me, and I don't, I don't think this is, like, talked about enough. Colonists would find villages empty, bones on the ground at times ah. because – People are too sick or died too quickly. They couldn't even bury everybody else. Could you imagine just like walking into a place you don't know anyway? Right. And it's just either empty. Best case scenario, it's empty. Or it's just dead, like bones or dead bodies. I'm just like trying to get in the mindset of that time because first of all, you don't know germs exist. Right. You walk into this village. You have no idea what happened. You are a very religious people uh, and you believe in the spiritual world. You could kind of like put the pieces together and think something really terrible and really evil happened here. Yes. Yes. I, I, yes that's a great setup for my next point. I like that. And yeah, and again, just eerie, eerie, eerie. But a lot of settlers thought this was an act of God. And I'm not going to justify one way or another, but I do think you bring up a really great point that if you don't understand germs, if you don't understand what just happened, we do this all the time. We Acts of God, and whether you believe in God or not, it's like, oh, well, karma or bad spirits or whatever was believed at whatever situation when you don't understand what 
what really happened. You know what I mean? Right. So again, I'm not justifying or trying to excuse anything, but I do think that's a great point to keep in mind. Like they didn't know either what happened. The settlers didn't really they understand. Known. It's they like, how, yeah. how can I, how can I operate based on my current worldview based on what right. I yes. know? And yes. I think our problem as a society is we are judging our ancestors by modern standards but our ancestors didn't have the scientific knowledge that we currently do they didn't know that bacteria existed and that you could transmit disease by touching people or coughing on them or like whatever i mean god knew which is why he asked the jewish people to observe so many very specific customs But lots of Puritan Christians stopped observing Jewish law. Yes. So they didn't carry those things over with them. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I really like that point. And I was, I just wanted to make a point of like what was said at that time by these folks too. So this is from King James the first. And he said, within these late years, There hath, by God's visitation, reigned a wonderful plague, the utter destruction, devastation, and depopulation of the whole territory, so as there is not left any to do, claim, or challenge any kind of interest therein. We, in our judgment, are persuaded and satisfied that the appointed time is come in which Almighty God, in His great goodness and bounty towards us and our people, hath thought fit and determined that those large and goodly territories, deserted as it were by their natural inhabitants, should be possessed and enjoyed by such of our subjects. Mm. Yep. I I mean, again, again, (laughs) again. judging them by their time, how could they not believe this to be true and i mean to be perfectly fair how could we also not know it to be true because god is in control of everything right Right. he made nature to be as it was he is the author of history so i mean they they were pagan they did this is the part that most people don't like to acknowledge yes there were peaceful tribes like the wampanoag but then there were tribes that would literally kill their neighboring tribes and enslave sacrifice women. and enslave yes, yes. yeah sold just like yeah i know and again i i bring it up and i'll tell I'll, I'll get into this more but i bring it up for a reason and again it's not to even justify anything so much as yeah. it's just like that was the sentiment that's where mm-hmm. we're at in history that's what that was what was going on all of these look at it just look yeah at it. Just acknowledge history for yes. what it was. For what it was. Yes. Yeah. Um, but moving on from that. So everybody, I mean, again, 90% had been that's decimated. That's uh, a big number. Uh, Whiskey Biz in the chat said he was very shocked by those numbers. And honestly, yeah. I kind of am too. Yeah. Because when you're taught the modern version of this history it's Mm -hmm. like the europeans came in and they just slaughtered everybody by the millions because they wanted to claim the land and i mean in a way you can kind of say that but it's not like they intended to slaughter everybody Mm -mm. it's kind of an accident yes yes so exactly and especially leading up to this point nothing intentional really with with the decimation there or the the 
the illness. Right. Um, and it did leave the Native Americans very vulnerable. Yeah. Like it just did. How could it not? But it just yeah. did. Um, so Squanto was also affected by this. So um, I'm going to jump over to his story because I find right. it interesting and fascinating. One, again, that I didn't know very in-depth. Um, so Squanto, his name was Tisquantum. Oh. And so apparently his Tisquantum was his real name. And that's how Edward Winslow, the guy who wrote, um, who was on the Mayflower, signed the Mayflower Compact, he referred to him as Tisquantum. And then Squanto was actually the nickname that William Bradford, the governor, who uh. wrote the other piece, that they were good friends. And that was right. his nickname. So Aww. I do find that really cool. That, that is cool. Squanto came from their friendship or his friendship with William Bradford. Um, anyway, so Squanto to Squantum. Same guy. Born in Love the it. 1580s to the Patuxet people. And they were part of the Wampanoag tribe, but they weren't part of the tribe where um, the Mayflower landed. Gotcha. So there's a different... They're like different versions of the story, but basically he either willingly went to England in 1605 as part of like uh, this guy, George Weymouth, was like, hey, you want to you wanna check out England? I'll bring you back. Right. Him and four other guys were like, yeah, let's go. Or they went as slaves and there's there's two – nobody's really quite sure. Right. Um, and then he came back around 1614 with John Smith. Pocahontas. Oh, with the Pocahontas story. That's yeah. incredible. Right. Go figure. <laughs> I didn't realize, I didn't know that there no was a clue. connection there. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it came back with him in 1614, but then, or actually it wasn't quite that time yet. Anyway, came back with John Smith and then he was lured onto Thomas Hunt's ship um, under the guise of trade. So the Uh-oh. thing was like, Hey, dude, you and him and 24 other Native Americans, they was like, come on to the ship. Let's talk about trade. Yeah. Just kidding, suckers. We're going, I'm going to go sail you into slavery. Oh. Yeah. So he take, took them to Spain. The I know. Yeah. And I was like, Ugh, why did you get on another boat? <laughs> but he did. He did. Yeah. And so they went to Spain where they were sold into slavery. Somehow Squanto escaped a few years later, whether it was some say that it was friars from a church that like helped him escape or yeah, it was pretty cool. And he escaped to England. And when he was there, all that he learned English and he was working as an interpreter for Thomas Dermer, Captain Thomas Dermer who brought him back to the Americas in 1619. Ah. Yeah. So back to the great dying. When he gets home, his tribe was completely gone. Mm. Nobody had survived any of that. And so he's kind of wandering, trying to find where to go, what to do with himself. And that's when the Wampanoag found him. We're like, Mm. but they captured him. It wasn't like a, hey, welcome home. It was like, oh, yeah, you're ours now. And they were just really suspicious because of his relationship with this captain. Gotcha. Yeah. And him speaking English and all that jazz. So they're like, I right. eh, don't know if we can trust you. 
And so he was a captive. I don't know how poorly or how well he was treated with them. It was just that they didn't trust him. Right. So So he he was was, a captive rather than a free man. Exactly. Um, And also at this time, the Wampanoag and the Naraganset. Naraganset, I think. If I don't look at it, I can say it better. Go figure. That's fair. (laughs) That was another tribe in the area. They had this rivalry going on. And again, both tribes didn't have a lot of people left to fight each other, but they were still fighting over land and other claims. So when the pilgrims landed, the Wampanoag were like, hey, Squanto, you can talk to them. You can kind of earn some goodwill with us Mm -hmm. by being our interpreter. And also we're going to try and like buddy up with these peeps so we can have some allies against our Narangan set. Thank you. Whiskey biz. I knew, I knew I was pronouncing that wrong. Appreciate it. So they teamed up with the settlers, like buddy, buddy with them. Like, Hey, Hey, you want to help us? We'll help you. Sound good? Sounds good. That's kind of some of the nuances around this story. That makes sense. Yeah. And then there is this idea that during the Thanksgiving, the celebration that the pilgrims are having, they had like celebratory gunfire going off. And also they were hunting for fowl, so whatever. But the idea is that that is what brought the Wampanoags over to the feast. It wasn't that they were invited. It was that they kind of thought, oh, are we at war with these people now? And they were going to go, like they geared up for war to go defend themselves. And then it's like, oh, nope, we're having a feast. I guess you're here (laughs) with all your people ready to fight us. Do you want to (laughs) eat? That's like hashtag awkward, like going to your... Actually, you know what? That's probably the most real Thanksgiving if there ever was one because you go to your family's house already to battle and fight, fight with your liberal aunt or your conservative (laughs) uncle. And then you get there and everybody's eating turkey. Right. And it's fine. Food's good. It's all good. (laughs) (laughs) That, I like that connection. I like that symmetry. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Truthfully, there's really, this is all speculation because there's, like I said in the accounts earlier, there's no, there's no story of that, but there's also no real story of them being like sending a formal invitation. I don't, so it's like, they just had dinner together. It's the story, but that makes sense. Anyway, um, but that's all kind of. The nuance around it. And then we get to um well, I'll get into that in a minute. So this is kind of like the dark side of it, I guess. So there was peace though after this that lasted for right. fifty years. That's a pretty long time. Thank you. That is a long time. <laughs> Yeah, you have to think about it in terms of generations. Yeah. Uh, I've started trying to think more this way when I, uh, as I've been reading the Old Testament, because I've noticed as older generations die away and new generations rise up, the younger generations have forgotten because yes. they weren't 
they were either too young to remember or they just weren't born yet to really appreciate what happened to bring about whatever peace there was. And then bad things start happening again because they forget history. And this is why history is so, so important. Because if we forget it. We're bound to repeat it. Exactly. Yes. Thank you. Exactly. So that is just brilliant. And that's what I want to do with this is just talk about all of it. So there's, there's a little bit more I want to get into, and then I'm really going to hammer home my point here. Bring but I, will, I do have a point. I do have an answer. So I'll get there, I promise. <laughs> so again, 50 years, like you said, generationally and everything, that 50 years is a long time. There are countries to this day that can't say that they've had 50 years of peace with other countries. Right. Yeah. Or other people. America can't say it's had 50 years of peace. No, no, we can't. So we are one of them. Most, I would say of the big players can say that. So anyway, the whole thing here is, and what kind of came to a head with this it wasn't really until the 1970s, I think, that people really started to question this. And now we have what is known as the National Day of Mourning. I don't know if you know much about it. I hear that come around every so often. Yeah. And I just kind of laugh and shrug it off. I have never really paid a lot of attention to it. But basically, in the 1970s, they wanted to bring more, the natives wanted to bring more awareness to what had happened to their history. Mm. And I want to get their name right of the of the man who started it. So, which of course I won't, I didn't write down because why would I do that? It happens. I mean, yeah. the they do this with Columbus Day, right? They want to yes. call it Indigenous Peoples Day instead yes. of Columbus Day. It's on the one hand, I can appreciate that instead of purely focusing on the rosy, sunshiny picture yep. that you get in grade school, they want to look at the nuance that's there because there is. I, I know the conservatives don't like to talk about this either but there is nuance there there's bad things that happen and there are good things that happen i think talking about the whole reality of it is better than just focusing on the dark parts or just focusing on the good parts yes yes exactly it's it's okay history i have this quote and i love this quote and it's from somebody Lieutenant Colonel Alan West. So he was in an interview with Fox News in 2020, and he said, quote, history is not there for you to like or dislike. It is there for you to learn from. Mm, I love that. I really love that. So history isn't up for debate as far as whether you like what happened or not. It's not like by disliking a part, you can go back and change it. Exactly. It's not like... This isn't literature that we're reading, where it's up to interpretation and what it means to you per se, or what it does um, to you emotionally. It's like, no, this just is what it is. And this is how you learn from it. So there are 
there are really cool things that happen in history. And I love to talk about these things because there's so many great stories. There's so many cool things that were found or invented or done. But there's also really terrible things that happened, really awful things on a human level that I know I can't even comprehend I've had a pretty cushy life, you know, as far as when you look back in history, I've had it pretty, pretty darn good and easy. But you have to look at these things. It's these aren't history is not something that should be ignored, swept under the rug. It shouldn't even be glossed over because it makes us uncomfortable. I don't want to shy away from the uncomfortable. We need to learn about the good, the bad and the ugly. That is our history. But I also believe in order, so for our country to do better, for example, to be better, to become a strong Christian nation with God at the center, we have to acknowledge the ugly side in order to repent. And repentance is a change of heart and mind that brings us closer to God. It includes turning away from sin and turning towards God, but you cannot do that if you don't acknowledge the problem. On the flip side. Right. On the flip side. So yes, there are atrocities and there are terrible things that have happened that should not be glossed over. However, there, um, uh, what was I going to say? There's another side. There is another side and there are, history is, is needed to be learned, but at the same time, we don't live in the past. Yeah. You learn from the past, but you live in today. So while it is good to look at these things, we also need to understand what, these things mean to us today, what we can do with them today. So I don't, well, um, so for me, the idea that Thanksgiving is not something that should be celebrated is preposterous. Thank you. It's preposterous. I think we should look at history, all of it, and learn the hard lessons that should not be repeated, but not celebrating Thanksgiving is ridiculous. And if we're going to take that tact, then we should look at history. Then we should look at all of our holidays in this lens. Yes. Yeah. Do we have some holidays to look at? Really? We do. So let's start with St. Patrick's Day. Mm. Why not? Why not? I like that one. I don't, I don't celebrate St. Patrick's Day in the sense of like bar crawling. It's like pub crawl thing going. I'm too old to pub crawl anymore. I wear green. I'll wear the green. I'll wear the green. I'll be Irish for a day. Yeah. But this started with um, Patrick, who was born actually in England. Rome. I feel so lied to. Rome in England. Yeah, he wasn't even Irish. I know. Go figure. He was taken to Ireland as a slave when he was 16. And it was while he was there that he converted to Christianity. Somehow he escaped and went back to England And then decided that he was going to go back to Ireland and convert Ireland to Christianity. And yeah, he, and, and to this day, I mean, you can't think of Ireland without thinking of like Irish Catholic, like just go hand in hand. I mean, that's honestly so true. Talk about God using a bad situation and turning it into something incredible. Absolutely. And so he, I mean, and he was like, so St. 
St. Patrick was always an outsider because he was English. Right. And he wasn't like well received when he got there. It wasn't till later that they're like, ah, oh, St. Patrick, our, you know, patron saint. What I love about St. Patrick's Day, I think, for me is the idea that, you know, we don't focus on that part of it. Everybody's we just focus Irish. On the Irish culture yeah. part. But everybody's Irish on St. Patrick's Day, and you celebrate right. Ir- being Irish or having Irish, you know, green and the all of it. It's just this like joyous time. Yeah, the alcohol definitely helps you be happier, maybe. But yeah, <laughs> the idea, the idea here is that you know we're all Irish today. We're all together today. Like, let's get together. I don't care who you are, and have a drink and celebrate. And then you have something like St. Valentine's Day. So basically, if you're going to add a saint into the mix, like their life wasn't great. They probably didn't die. Yeah, they didn't die in the best way either. So Valentine's Day was like, there was Saint, let's see, it was a Roman emperor who just decided that single men would make better soldiers. It was Claudius II. (laughs) So he outlawed marriage. And he was like, no, you're not Ah! getting married. That's you'll you'll be a better soldier for us if you stay single. Wow. And so St. Valentine was Valentinius, he was killed for his beliefs because he would not renounce Christianity and he continued to marry couples in secret. So he was oh thrown into gosh. jail and that killed brings for it. such new context to Valentine's Day. Yeah. yeah. You know, you love to hear like your snotty liberal friend who's like, Valentine's Day was just invented by the Hallmark, Hallmark Channel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a Hallmark holiday. Right. Uh, not really. So, but again, rather than focusing on like the Roman Empire and how awful they were and the persecuted Christians at that time in that place, the focus of this holiday obviously is love. Right. And you kind of, you get vulnerable and you tell people how much you love them or you tell your secret admirer, whatever. Yeah. But you know, it's this romantic, loving holiday where everybody gets the warm fuzzies and you eat tons of chocolate because you can and maybe get some flowers. But <laughs> Mostly the chocolate. Mostly the chocolate. Yes. The chocolate is the best part. And, you know, if we as Christians were to look at Christmas through this lens, like, yeah. Right after Jesus' birth, King, you know, a year or two, King Herod right. is like, I'm, I'm killing like, all the baby boys who are right. under two years old. So we could look at it uh, in the lens of that, like rather than celebrating the birth of Christ and what was important that happened at that time, we could be like, well, they killed all the all these boys. And I'm mean, not that that's not awful because that was, it was this yeah. genocide of all these tiny little baby boys. And we could focus on that, and that could be the the lens again, which with through we, which we see everything through. But instead, we focus on Christ coming down because God loved us, right? And the miracles of of all of that time, and Mary and Joseph and their love and their commitment to God, and all of this. And just there's a bunch of holidays like that, and I mean, also we could even do this with. Fourth of July here is right. that there there were bad things that happened before and after for <laughs> our independence, right? So should we celebrate it because there were these awful things that happened around that as well? 
begs the question. And actually, it doesn't because... It actually doesn't beg the question. But it actually doesn't beg the question. Because although we should understand where things come from and where we've come from and how we're going to do better moving forward, also the idea is that these two, for Thanksgiving, going back to Thanksgiving, these two people who were so um, different. Yeah. Two different cultures, two different types of belief systems and everything, they were able to come together, sit down and have a meal and be grateful. And they were able to... You know, maybe it was more of a business transaction in that, like, you know, you help us, we help you to come hang out with us. I don't think a business transaction would last 400 years, you know. But, yeah, and that's the thing. And also, they had, they just did, amongst themselves has, had 50 years of peace. Yeah. Right after this. So it's, again, these two people who are so different come together and sit and have a meal and they're grateful. And why is that not something to celebrate? Why can't we take the positive out of this? It was one of the few times this ever happened Mm -hmm. in our history between Native Americans and settlers. Why can we not be like, let's keep that as our focus, like moving forward. That's the attitude. That's the spirit of this that we need to have as a nation, as a country, as people together, as this melting pot, gratitude and love for our neighbors and so on and so forth. So all of this big random speech to say, get together with your family, get together with your friends, be grateful, give God the praise for all that he's given you. Gratitude, gratitude, gratitude. Keep your focus where it belongs. <laughs> That's right. Because there's so much suffering in the world, because life is hard, yeah. it's important to take times to reflect on things that are positive because it is so easy to just go through life and be consumed with the negative, to be consumed with the atrocities, to live in that dark place. And if we keep living in that dark place, we will feel hopeless. Yes. God does not call us to feel hopeless. God calls us to see the good in the darkness, to see the light and the darkness, to count our blessings, and to remember that good moment, that first Thanksgiving, is to count our blessings. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Don't let your hearts be hardened by all the negative and all that there is. Like We need to understand it, but at the same time, rise above it, if you will. Yeah. And keep the joyous, thankful heart softened. Because <laughs> especially today when it's so yeah. easy to get jaded, like the 24-hour news cycle is just erroneous to our souls. Like it is just absolutely destructive. So having this moment when we can shut everything off and just be with our families and reflect on the year and be grateful, even if you don't reflect upon the historical aspect of it, which you should. Right. But even if you don't. Yeah. Yeah. Just take the moment to be grateful. Absolutely. So as you're sitting around the table eating your turkey, Be grateful you didn't have to go hunt that for yourself. (laughs) Oh, man. I am so grateful for that. I'm so grateful I don't have to go near a living turkey, see one, stare one in the face. I don't have to. I mean, I'm a big proponent of growing up my own food, but but. I personally don't grow potatoes. Uh, So (laughs) the luxury of being able to pick up a bag of potatoes is really nice. Absolutely. Yeah. And see, like up here, potatoes go grow great, but... I'm I'm not going to get like 
anything more than root vegetables. And so I'm super grateful for <laughs> anything that's not a root vegetable that is brought here for me, you know, in this Oh my area. gosh, that is such a good point because like, if we think about all of the food we have access to, people forget yeah. that most produce is seasonal, yep. but we have access to every season of produce yeah. from around the world. Isn't that crazy? It's insane. I had friends who did a challenge where they were only going to eat what was locally available like in its time. Yeah. And I, I was like, kudos to you. <laughs> Like, uh, you'll definitely appreciate things more, but good on you. Let me know how that goes. Uh. <laughs> I still want bananas and strawberries. That's the thing. In January, like, so. <laughs> me too, honestly. Yeah. But yeah, so. Oh, we, have that, a lot, we have a lot to be grateful for. We do. We have so much to gre- be grateful for, so stop whining. <laughs> yeah. Just shut up and sit down and eat your turkey. I love it. Oh, I loved this episode. This was so fun. Yay. Well, thanks everybody for being here. Thanks for doing this with me, Jess. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks. Yay. Thanks for being here on a Sunday, friends. Yeah. Happy Sunday, everybody. Woohoo. Uh, but yeah, I think we'll take it over to Rumble Chat, see what's happening over there, and end it here. Yeah, that sounds great. Uh, For this upcoming Friday, because it is the day after Thanksgiving, we're going to take a break, be with our families. But because we love you guys and we appreciate you guys, we are going to share with you the very first episode of Quirks or Quacks. Remember, that is our locals only bonus content. So normally you have to be a part of our locals community to get access to that content. But we are giving it to you for free because it is Thanksgiving and we are thankful for you. Yay! Yes. Over and joy. It was, it's fun. It's something a little different. It's different than our usual content, but it's fun. So stay tuned for the Rumble only section. We'll see you guys over there. Stay quirky. Yep.